0: Pandemonium Reigns. Pandemonium Reigns podcast. What is up? Getting on here solo. It's your boy Mike. Hitting with some solo thoughts. I've got I've to talk through basketball. Uh, March Madness is here. It is uh, do or die time. Because uh, the theme of this college basketball season for the balls has been it's regular season basketball. Teams lose these games. It's hard to win on the road. Etc, cetera, et cetera. Tennessee's been injured. Started with Josiah early in the season. That lingered longer than we thought. And then he turned that ankle. While he did that, you had Phillips going down with the hip flexor, I believe, in the first half or at halftime of the Missouri game. And then the worst thing that could happen, you know, reliving South Carolina uh, nightmares on their football field, you lose Zakai Ziegler to an ACL um, at home. Um, Against Arkansas, you're going to win that game, but still, injuries have been a part of the 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 season. Um, Regular season basketball has been a a constant theme, but it's that's over. Uh, The conference champion, the conference tournament is over, um, in frustrating fashion, much like a lot of these losses have been. And like I said, I just wanted to hit y'all with some thoughts on it, kind of give my take on it, vent a little bit for that matter as well, Um, because again, it's it's been a frustrating season. It's been. I haven't usually been ready for basketball to be over. Like when I was a kid, along came Pearl. That was, you know, something I'd never experienced in my life. Success like Tennessee basketball hadn't experienced in my life. And I think, man, he rose really quickly and our perceptions changed overnight. It was fun to watch up and down the court, running and throwing oops and getting out in fast breaks. And, you know, trapping and and five-second violations for teams trying to inbound the ball. And and Tennessee's defense has been great. I'm not taking away from that. But the offense has been the complete opposite slow end of the spectrum for the most part under Rick Barnes. And I'm I'm not even going to start with, like, the holistic Rick Barnes era or anything like that. I just want to really talk about this season first and then get into some, you know, thoughts on the season and and, or thoughts on the era, I should say, and and March as a whole and, and what's coming. But, you know, just starting again with the season, it, it really felt like I know the Colorado loss was weird. The Arizona loss, I first I personally felt robbed because of that late action where I know Vescovy and I want to say Ziegler both kind of got tackled and there was no call. Officiating was horrid in that game as it is because college basketball just has the worst officiating uh, of any of the sports that we love in the college sphere. I mean, baseball is bad and football is bad at times, and we see the Blue Bloods and the, the Powers get the calls and things like that. We we know about the referees, and we know about all of it. But still, officiating was horrid in Tucson that night. And, and Tennessee almost – I mean, they almost won the game despite that. And, and right there at the end, I thought the officiating came to a head. And, again, I think both guys got kind of tackled and, and played way too physically, and they just – I think the rest fell fell prisoner into that thing of don't decide the game, don't put Tennessee on the line, things like that. But, again, it felt like the momentum from kind of like Texas last year in the 2022 season really was continuing. Colorado was weird. Arizona was hard-fought. Up until Kentucky, at home, you're retiring Chris Lofton's jersey. You've got momentum. You've got two losses at that point of the season. You've beaten Kansas, beat USC in a hard-fought game. Um, you've got some wins. You've got a resume already that has you top, what, five, definitely ten in the country at the time that Kentucky came to Knoxville, Tennessee, and they just stole your soul. They were coming off of a putrid loss, I believe, to South Carolina at that time at Rupp Arena, South Carolina, who won maybe three games in the conference slate. They were coming off of that, or it had happened just in the week prior And they come in on Chris Lofton Day and and take your soul, and you kind of just vanish. And I I don't really know what more you can say than that. officiating was bad. It didn't cost Tennessee the game. The offense certainly did that, scoring 56 points um, and allowing Kentucky to, I believe, win by seven. I think it was 63-56. And it it just felt like something kind of snapped in that moment. You went on to win um, your next four games, including Texas at home, uh, giving them payback for last year, including your last true road win of the season, not counting neutral sites, not counting the conference tournament, which happened on January 21st against a terrible LSU team that finished 14-19. and That was your last true road win, January 21st. By the time Tennessee plays its first round game, it'll be March 17th. That's almost two full months since you've won a road game. And, again, the, comf- the, the March Madness will not be – road environments, but you haven't won on the road in two months. That's a terrible omen. And you started a five-game losing streak on the road on February 1st in Gainesville, Florida, a team that finished 16-16. and And if something didn't break fundamentally with the basketball team against Kentucky, it really felt like it did against Florida down in Gainesville when you lost by 13 and you scored, again, 54 points against a 500 team. That, that preceded that ugly, ugly win, 46-43 to 43 over Auburn, just a nightmarish game. And then the worst thing that could possibly happen, I think, was those two back-to-back losses on, on buzzer beaters against Vanderbilt and Missouri. Um, you also, again, you lost Josiah. You lost Julian in, during that stretch of games. Um, you still had Zaka at the time, still had your leader and your point guard and, and, frankly, your soul of your team at that point. But you lose those games, and I think that was a blow – mentally that the team did bounce back from, but certainly didn't help help things as the season progressed. Uh, the, the flurry against Missouri in the second half was nice. Uh, also, Tyreek Key, I think, just has Missouri's number. He's kind of a different player against them, and I want to see, this team needs to see Tyreek Key do those things against other teams to really, really push into potential. Unfortunately, potential also includes Zakai, so you have a, a lower ceiling now that Zaka is not available, and gosh, I, I hope him the best recovery. I love that kid. Um, but again, Vanderbilt, the defense at the end of the game was was atrocious. You couldn't give up the three, and that's that's exactly what happened. I know that lapses happened though, and that road games are in fact hard to win. But again, that fit right into the theme that was going at the time, and that carried through the end of the season till now of not winning on the road. Not winning close games. It's like if Tennessee isn't up with 10 minutes, five minutes left in the game, if it's a couple possession game or if they're trailing at that point, they just have not consistently won those games in in the season. I don't understand that with the veteran presence of Olivier, Josiah, um, Vescovy. I I just, I don't get it. it. It leaves questions in my mind. Um, Then and then more weird things just continue to happen. You you came off of those losses to Vanderbilt, Missouri, and you beat Alabama, the best version of Alabama that has ever been. This was even before the the scandalous news broke in Tuscaloosa of of Miller's involvement and and, uh, some of those guys' involvement in the situation. And and not going to get into that, but you beat them. That was that's the marquee win now of your season. Yeah, Kansas was great, but this is in the heart of the schedule of conference play. You beat Alabama at home. Um, you didn't get a chance for a rematch in the SEC tournament, which is probably a good thing without having uh, Zakai Ziegler and as kind of the way that Alabama has turned it on in the tournament and, and closed it out with the, with the tournament championship. It's probably fortunate that you didn't. <sighs> but then you play Kentucky again and you only muster 54 points and you lose to them again at Rupp Arena, a place where Barnes has had more success than any, any Tennessee coach, certainly of late um, or really in history for that matter, followed that up with another road loss in college station against the Aggies. And really after that point of the season, the most impressive thing to me was was to close out Arkansas in emphatic fashion, win almost by twenty and lead certainly by twenty and, and by huge margins over the course of that game. When Zakai had just gone down, it's like when Zakai went down, they played as ferocious and as energetic as they have all season and I, I just don't know where it came from. One where it had been to, and now, again, where it's gone because that energy has lacked in moments against Missouri, certainly. Um, It lacked in moments against Ole Miss, but they're a really bad team. You handle business against South Carolina. That was before Zakai went down, excuse me. But I just don't know where it's been. That Auburn loss, yeah, it was the last regular season game. It was your first true game, full game, without Zakai. And I just don't know because Tennessee can find themselves in a close game with five, six minutes left, even take the lead in some cases, and and just wither. I mean, just wither down the movement and motion stops. Seems like offensively, defense is there, but it has lapses as as all teams do and, and all games involve. But I just don't know where it goes in those clutch moments when when this team is so veteran led and so so old. I mean, they have so much experience and, and age on that team and it just has not shown the way that you would like it to over the course of a season. But that's your season in a nutshell. Um, Missouri goes two and zero against you and close you out, and and they they knock you out of the SEC tournament. Uh, A team with a first year head coach in Dennis Gates, who is just personally what he's doing is admirable to me. Admirable to me because that team was terrible last year. He signed a ton of transfers. He brought transfers with him from Cleveland State, where he came from, where he had one two back to back Horizon leagues, uh, which is actually a good. Uh, Mid major, a good low major conference. Um, so I'm impressed by them, but frustrated as as I could possibly be with those losses, with the way that they bullied you for the first half and won, ultimately won the game in Knoxville, and and certainly that was a close, you know, really a tougher game than than the one in the uh, SC in the SC tournament. Excuse me, but things like that, letting them go two and zero against you in their their first year under their coach when Barnes is as established as all get out is, is certainly frustrating. Um, I certainly want to mention some good because I mean, Barnes has certainly kept the program afloat. He has certainly not tanked it. It's not that bad. It's just frustrating. Tennessee. Here's some perspective from Brett Edgerton at editor edge on Twitter. Tennessee is a top four seed for the fourth time in the last five years. That's all within the eight years of the Barnes era. Uh, Before Barnes arrived at UT, we were a top four seed just five times in the history of the program, which is terrible. That's absolutely terrible, and you should certainly have done more than that in your history. It's fine, though. We know what Tennessee basketball was. Look at Barnes overall in his eight seasons. This is coming from College Basketball Report, putting up a summary and kind of some numbers for us. 173-91 record, good for a 655 Winning percentage, so you're winning 65.5% of your games under Barnes. 86 and 57 in conference play, which is 60.1%. Four and four in games in the NCAA tournament in eight years. One conference title uh, coming last year for the first time in 40 years, which is another thing that adds to the letdown from last year's tournament exit in March Madness for me, having shown things that hadn't been done here in so long um, and really been cooking at the time that we entered the tournament. But again, four NCAA tournament appearances in eight years for Barnes. We know that COVID factored into that as well. That was not a strong season for the Vols, and we had just lost some, certainly some big pieces of the of the program at that time as well. And the one Sweet Sixteen appearance uh, that that certainly was a frustrating exit as well. Um, if you want to look at Ken Palm, is he even a real person? Because he certainly let me down with some. And I know it's analytics and it's a coin flip, but. Ken Palm gives Tennessee the second best odds to make the final four, to win the, to to win their corner of the bracket. If you will Purdue sitting at 24.53% to make the final four, Tennessee sitting at 20.87% to make the final four as the four seed with the two seed Marquette sitting at 16.14%. Those are meaningless numbers. The games are going to be played on the hardwood, not on paper, not on spreadsheets. Um, and Tennessee drew a hot 26-7, let me verify, 26-7 Louisiana team that certainly has a couple of head-scratching losses, but when you lose just seven games, and, and it's not let's not act like Tennessee's lost 15 or 20 games on the year, but when you lose seven games in a year, that's, that's pretty dang impressive. Uh, one of those losses being to Texas, one being to Drake. I believe both are tournament teams. I know Texas is and then losing some other games along the way. But winning 26 overall, not having lost a game since February 18th, which will also be basically a month to the day of when Tennessee faces them at, at 9.40 Eastern time on Friday, whatever. But that's a hot team. And this is when Barnes has been his worst in March, which I don't get, um, because there's so much experience in that basketball mind, he's going to forget more about basketball than it's, – it's a passion of mine, but he's – as knowledgeable as they come. I mean, you would think. He's, he's done this forever. He's had some great teams and some amazing players. You know, look at Kevin Durant at Texas and, and how well he was playing um, there. It's it's like it really is do-or-die time. I mean, if Tennessee loses to Louisiana, I mean, the offseason and, and the talk will be like football talk around here. In a football town for basketball, when it's already hot, I mean, Twitter is as divided right now about basketball as I've ever seen it on Vol Twitter. Um, and I mean, it will seriously, it'll be like peak, you know, Tennessee lost to Florida or something like that in, in football. It'll be like peak bad football if if Tennessee doesn't beat Louisiana. The problem is if you beat Louisiana, you then face either a hot, a very hot Duke team that's that fell to a five seed, and then they play the 12 seed, five 12s are a nightmare matchup for the fives usually, they play 30 and four Oral Roberts. I mean, either team, it's like pick your poison, that's tough. Making the Sweet 16, especially doing it without Sky Ziegler, will be tough, as it always is, as it's always been for Rick Barnes. But it's not easier this year. It's certainly not easier. It's, it's harder, if anything. I mean, so this season's going to be tough to quantify, and it's, it's really going to be a lot of head-scratching and, I think, soul-searching. And, and I guess what I want that to take me into is is as polarizing as Barnes is amongst all Twitter right now. I mean, you've got people on one end of the spectrum (laughs) that are laying out. Like if Barnes was fired or retired, here's who my top three are. That's one end of the spectrum. You've got others that are like, Oh my God, he's the best coach that Tennessee's ever have, which by the way is partially probably true. Um, How could they possibly do any better Mm, to that extent? You know, I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle. I mean, I don't think you fire him, but something has got to change. Like there's, there's gotta be positive change in that program, but Danny Watt is a good athletic director. I mean, he is, he's, he's got a solid track record of hires. Basketball is his passion. He played basketball when he was coming up. Uh, his brother's the coach at Georgia. Lord knows we don't need to go down the the family route or anything like that. But I mean, I trust the man to make a basketball hire when the time comes, I'm just somewhere in the middle of calling for it now and making my top three, top five candidates and, you know, Barnes is the greatest thing since sliced bread. What I really want that to lead me to, though, is, is when you look at the other major coaches in Knoxville. You look at Josh Hoplin football, who's made a quick turnaround. Vitello, who resurrected the baseball program from the absolute pit of hell and, and made them a contender within three to four years of him being there, has also made some, some exits like Tennessee basketball has made. It is it is hard to win a championship in any of these sports, and and it is not going to get easier. But resurrecting baseball in the Southeastern Conference is basically as tough as, if not tougher than, resurrecting football in the Southeastern Conference, especially at Tennessee with the schedule that we play in football. Then you look at Kelly Harper; she's like if if Rick Barnes is polarizing vault Twitter topic number one, Kelly Harper is like number one a or right there at two, it, right there around that that spot, and I think with her you have to look at still coming off the hills of of legendary Pat Summit. She's in the family tree as well, having played for Pat Summit. You have to look at those things. And and all of these coaches as well, let me not forget let me not forget to mention this, have have been here for a little longer than I think every time that I kind of have these thoughts in my mind as well. I think this is Harper's fourth year. Vitello's in at least probably five or six, if not seven, and this is Barnes obviously eighth year. And we know that Hoppe was in his second year and what a turnaround that was. I think what has happened, though, why this is so divisive, why this is so hard for us is because we've been spoiled before in basketball with Pearl and Barnes. Let's not, again, I'm not going to take credit from him for what he did with with Grant and Admiral and Jordan Bone and Kyle Alexander. Those were awesome teams. I think you just expect them to make bigger leaps and, and do more off of that than, you know, yeah, you may miss the tournament the next year when you lose guys like that, but the tournament after that featured a first-round exit in hideous fashion Oregon State. And then you talk about losing to Michigan last year, and Tennessee just did not have any business losing to that Michigan team. We know how the tournament goes. We know how it is, but let's just call it what it is. Didn't have business losing that game. Didn't have business losing to Loyola Chicago. I don't care if they made the Final Four. You just didn't have business losing that game, and, and Kyle Alexander was injured. Let's let's not forget that either. But still, you expect more to come. You expect success to come off of success. Like, you expect growth and, and, and things like that. Recruiting has been super high. I mean, Kennedy Chandler, Julian Phillips, Josiah Jordan-James. Looking at Missouri, they've got two former four-stars on their roster. Everybody else, they have a couple three-stars, and they have transferred from mid majors and low majors and, and community colleges. and I mean, they're, they're as hot as anybody right now and they play a fun, fun brand of basketball, they harass you. It really reminds me and I'm, and I'm also not calling for Pearl to come back to Tennessee, but it reminds you of Pearl teams at times when they just run and gun and they jack up shots and they make them and and they harass you defensively and they, I mean you're just begging to get the ball past half court at times when you play them. and, and but then you you look over at your at your rivals, at your peers that are as good as you have been or now or are better, like Alabama, and, and you see those teams handling Missouri. And, and you see them you know losing games and struggling to beat other teams that you may have beaten and, and you just scratch your head. It is a long season that applies to all of these sports, but you just kind of scratch your head. So I think I think what has happened though, is I think Barnes is now experiencing that shorter leash because he had quick meteoric success with with Grant, admirable, my gosh, Admiral, one day I'll be able to talk. Jordan Bone, those guys that I mentioned, that was like year three, year four, you're you you're sitting at number one in the country. And then you just haven't built off of that, and you never really made a run with those guys or without those guys at Tennessee, not even considering his history at Texas and early exits and second-round Rick and all those connotations that come with it. Vitello, again, the I think he gets more of a leash because – the hole that he dug out of was was deeper and, and harder to dig out of. And, and again, last year we had the one of the greatest regular season teams of all time, if not the best, and the exit did not match the season that we had to Notre Dame. The, the exit the year prior was tough, um, and that was a solid team as well. And now you've got people wondering why they can't run bases and things like that. But again, I think the leash is longer because of the meteoric rise, the, the attitude. They, they just embody what we want to think of ourselves as, as, you know, hot shots and, and you know, popping off at the mouth and certainly bat flipping and, and, you know, celebrating. They do those things, and I think it just has bought time. Tony fits into the culture at Tennessee like, I mean, just like a glove. He just does. Rick is certainly a, a great man, a wonderful man, he also fits the culture here, and I think people are just looking for more success. And like I mentioned, Kelly, you know that's that's also a polarizing subject in ball Twitter. You got people calling for her head as well. I, I don't know what to make of that. I didn't. I've watched less of the Lady evolves than I have of baseball and and the men's team for sure. But I mean, you it, it's gonna the time is gonna come to where it's gonna be put up or shut up for her as well if we're not already there. And then in football, I mean. You take the mess we were in with Pruitt and not even like that being the crap cherry on top of the crap cake from Jones and Dooley and, and the 2017 coaching search. And you, you get to 10 and two, 11 and two out of that. You beat Alabama for the first time in forever. That's just going to get you some, some leash, man. I mean, you're going to have a longer leash. South Carolina is like the only thing that people could even hold against topple And I think by that point of a season, you know, you think of that game, you think of losing Hendon in that game, and you're probably going to have people saying, well, we didn't expect to be here anyway. We beat Florida, we beat Alabama, we smoked LSU, we, we won 11 games. But, as things go, the leash will run out. If Tennessee takes a big step back in 2023 in football, the leash will run out quicker than we all want it to, or, or that we do right now. But if he continues, I mean, he's going to maintain some leash and some, some breathing room, because it's only going to be easier to – get into that playoff. You don't have to be one loss or undefeated anymore. So I think it just comes down to leash. And I think we're all just tired of, of the way that Barnes plays the games of preaching defense and fundamentals and the ball touching each side of the, of the paint of the arc. Jimmy Dykes, brother, I, I don't ever want to hear that again. Like move the ball, move the ball. No, like that's just not how, the really good teams always do it. Like I know that's how Barnes has done it. And I know he runs his motion offense and frankly, it's good. It's good for a large portions of seasons enough to, to only lose 10 of your games. That's, that's, that's fine. But it it's so beyond fair to expect more, to expect that if he did retire or God forbid, he was fired that you, you might be able to do better. Not to say you'll never do better than Rick Barnes, but you might do better. Like you might get someone who could come in and, and either, retain the talent that's that's been recruited here, that's already in town, that may come back next year. You may lose those guys, whether he goes or stays. And, and to do new, fresh things with it that are maybe more sustainable in March than scoring maybe 50 points a game. So I think it really just comes down to leash. Personally, like I said, I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm not firing Rick Barnes if I'm Danny White. There's no way in heck that I'm doing that right now unless – I mean, I know Danny White's a confident guy, but I, I just can't see a scenario where I'm doing that because if you're talking about your options being like, we well, might be able to talk Jay Wright into coming or Shaka Smart might be willing to make another run at a power, uh, you know, potential power player. We're, we've never been that in basketball. But if you're talking about that being your candidates, you probably don't need to fire your coach because Jay Wright retired from a successful program where he's won two championships recently. I mean, you talk about bringing guys like that, you're probably thinking a little bit too much of your program. Tennessee's got otherworldly potential in all sports, but you're probably thinking too much of your program if that's your contenders for replacing your coach. But I'm also not sitting here saying, like, you know, keep him for the next 10 years, and I know he's, he's getting older and, and retirement will be in the future, and I'm not saying you never, his seat never gets hot or anything like that because you just can't replace him. I'm I'm not I'm, I'm neither here nor there. I am frustrated with the season. I frankly want it to be over. I hope it doesn't come in heartbreak fashion. I hope we don't get smoked uh, by one of these, you know, Louisiana or, or Roberts certainly would love to beat Duke. My gosh, I would love that. But still, you know, the season's going to end for all these teams except for one. That's what some of my favorite people that I hear talk about this sport, the way that they put it, and it's it's true. One team will, fin- will not lose another game from here on out. One of them in a 68-team field. It's hard to be that team. I, I'm not expecting it. I'm just asking for more along the way, I guess. You know, give me a run here or there to show me hope for the future and these players that are continuing to sign with your program, like your Julian Phillips, like your cars, like your DeLeones and, and your Estrellas, um, the guys that are continuing to pick this program, show me that you're going to be able to do something with them because I'm tired of McDonald's all Americans coming in and frankly, not looking like they have the clearance to shoot a shot or to do their thing and, and just being defensive fixtures. And, and listen, I, I love the defense. It's been fantastic. It is harassing, but it's, it's hard to win games it's hard to make runs that way you look at virginia who did it a few years ago it's just it's hard to do that it it runs through guards this time of year and and tennessee's down one of their very best ones so i think it ultimately not to to beat the the horse into a pulp but it comes down to the leash that you've got what you've shown us what you've shown the world and and just instilling some hope that that you have a run left in you because there's only been a few handful of runs in a long, long, long career of coaching. So I think that's what it boils down to. I'm obviously going to be rooting for the boys on Friday against Louisiana and and anyone that they face the rest of the way out want to see the best. They deserve it. They've worked for it as all teams have. And we know how tight our alliances are within Vol Nation and as fans, we're as loyal as they come. But just my thoughts on why this is so polarizing – what this season's been. It's certainly been a frustrating one, but I'm not going to beat the horse any further. <sighs> Thank you guys for listening and checking out Pandemonium Rains. We love you guys, and we, we really enjoy doing this. Uh, I will say the solo solo episodes are awkward. I really need Dan to keep me in line and to maybe even fire me up a little bit more at times. I called my dad after we lost to Missouri and just vented for probably solid 20 minutes and was like, where's the adjustments? Where's the adaptation, man? What are we doing? Like, what what is this? But... Hate these solo episodes in a way, but just wanted to share my thoughts on the season and the program. And again, appreciate you so much for any bit of this twenty-seven-ish, twenty-eight minutes that you've that you've tuned in. We love you guys. Help us get to hundred followers on Twitter. Share this. Tell your friends about it. Give us a rating. Hit those follow and subscribe buttons. And and we love you guys. We'll talk to you soon. GBO.